Yeah. Three, two, one. John, are we live? We're live, sir. What's going on, buddy? Not too much, my man. How are you? I'm good. It's warm in here. It is warm in here. Our guest, Kevin, I think, agrees. It is warm. Yeah. It's down to a t-shirt. Cranked mm-hmm. down um, the air, but... Yeah, what can no we luck. do? We have no control over basically <laughs> lights things. and HVAC in here. Yeah. What we get is what we get. True. Um, what's going on with you? Oh, just shopping and being in the spirit and all that fun stuff. How about you? I got all my shopping to do this weekend. I, although I shopped for you early. You did. You were my you first did. gift. Wow. I'm, I special. feel good about that. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, I'm also not going to see you until after the holidays, it seems. so. I know. Then you're going to miss me. I will miss you in oh, a couple weeks. Shucks. Um, any shout outs before we get into kind of today's show? Well, you know, in the spirit of things, just uh, I hope everybody has a great Christmas and or, and or Hanukkah. Great holiday season. Um, it's been a great year, 2019, and we won't be back until 2020. So it's been another uh, wild ride with you every, each week here. You know, we never, sometimes we have like today's show, I can't wait for. Uh, we have some shows where people don't show up. <laughs> you're still, you're still, I'm out of still shape chomping last at the week. bit. Um, but no. Overall, 2019 has been awesome. So shout out to you. Shout out to the people who really do support us and uh, pat us on the back or just uh, you know send messages every once in a while saying, hey, keep it up. And it's fun. And I think you might agree with this. It's, it's nice being out and hearing uh, people you didn't know ever tuned in or whatever will ask you a question about a past guest. Like, well, how do you? Oh, yeah, I watch a show and this and that. And, and they'll start telling you stories. It's like, wow, okay, cool. It's just kind of neat as we go along and that it builds and, you know, little by little. But uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. So shout out to everybody who tunes in and shares and tells their friends and family to check it out. Well, uh, you one up to me, but I'm going to piggyback off of that and, and thank them as well. Absolutely. Um, I get the same thing. I go to events or I go meet people that. I'm friends with on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got a couple shout outs from people we don't know who are inboxing us Mm -hmm. about how much they like the show and some of our guests. And it's nice to hear because this is episode 80. I believe so, yeah. yeah. So we're nearing 100, but we've had such an incredible lineup of people on the show from anything from a charity to business owners to TV folks to politicians, although Mm -hmm. I can't call him a politician. He'll he'll come back and a public servant. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's been an incredible ride. Thank you to you. I can't wait to see what 2020 has in store. I think, uh, obviously the show is growing uh, Mm -hmm. and I think people are appreciating the professionalism of our little show and if, you know, so. our guests come and they get to see the lights and the mics and everything. But, uh, I think everybody else who watches it also is getting a feeling of that. And to our, um, most loyal watcher, Tim, who's already said hello from Buenos Aires. So oh, Tim. that's right. He's on I forgot that they were going to be down there. Yeah. So I'll get into today's Tim. show. Um, it's mm-hmm. going to be a little bit different. We have Captain Kevin Davis on. Mm-hmm. We're going to chat with him. And then we have the second part of our recorded, uh, pre-recorded series with uh, Jeannie Burnell, who mm-hmm. um, is the mom of Brody. Mm-hmm. Everybody who watched last week, Brody was in a plane accident. He's on a road to recovery. But we're going to hear from mom and her side of the story of you know, how she felt when, you know, she got a call that her son was in a plane accident and then just the road to recovery from that. I think it's pretty powerful. I do too. The relationship is incredible. You took that word right out of my mouth. Powerful. This is really, even today, just doing some work on, you know, cleaning it up a little bit and making sure we were within time. 
uh yeah it was she's good stuff. she's got a lot of good things to say and she's been through a lot the whole family has been but uh yeah so make sure you stay with us throughout yeah. the whole show so once i'm done with uh Captain Davis, we're going to move into that. So mm -hmm. it's pre-recorded for those of you watching or listening now. So you're going to see me probably wearing, I think I was wearing something different. I hope I was. Um, you're going to see a different <laughs> look. It's not going to be somebody else in studio, but please keep tuning in. And then John and I will come back and kind of chat about what you guys heard and then uh, close out the show and close out the year. Yeah. But in the meantime, in the meantime, before I I've been chatting that. with uh, Captain Kevin Davis now for about 40 minutes and I've had a lot of fun. He's got a lot of cool stories. His background's awesome. And uh, I'm, I'm a car geek and I like boats, but he's probably going to get me to like boats more than I already do, which is dangerous. <laughs> um, so Captain Kevin Davis is the founder of the Chicago Nautical Services. He's also a broker with Yacht Sales International. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. So tell me what Chicago Nautical Services is and how you got involved with that. Well, Chicago Nautical Services is a uh, full yacht management company. Um, I've been around now for 12 years. I started it back in uh, 2007 with one boat and have graduated up to multiple yachts now. Um, <clears throat> when I got started initially, um, I had no intention of doing it. I got my captain's license for my own personal benefit, um, to be a better boater, to learn more, especially uh, you know in Chicago and whatnot. There's a, a lot of different hazards and whatnot in the city. So I got into that and got my license, and I had a regular job, just like everybody else. And one day, I got a phone call from a uh, good friend of mine who was a police officer. He was a water police officer, as you'd call him. Um, and he said, hey, I have, a, I have a company that needs a captain to drive a boat around. They need a licensed captain. Would you be interested? Some good pay. And I said, sure, okay. So I showed up downtown in DeSabo Harbor, and... I had had my own boat and enjoyed my own boat a lot, you know, and uh, this is my first time taking out other people. And I show up and it's a brand new boat for the National Merchants Marine Association, which is like the overseer of all boats in the United States. And it's filled with women on bikinis and they're half drunk and they want me to take them out to the playpen for a party. <laughs> and I'm like, you're going to pay me for this. This is yeah. fantastic. I said, so that's how it started. And um, then the recession showed up and I kind of turned that with some luck and being prepared, I turned it into a part-time job that turned into a full-time career. Um, my first actual boating yacht management boat was literally by luck, bad luck on somebody else's part, I'll say that. The captain, I was his substitute captain. Uh, when he couldn't make it, uh, he would call me up to take people out. And he unfortunately was on another boat that started on fire. Oh, shoot. And basically, it wasn't his fault, but he lost his captain's license. Oh, no. So he said, Kevin, would you like to take over this one full time? And that is now one of my longest standing clients in Chicago. I've been with them for 12 years. And uh, yeah, and then it just snowballed from there. I took on a couple other larger yachts and started hiring people and creating a network of you know, other contractors, because I can't do it all, sure. uh, other captains and cleaning crews and stuff like that, and, and just snowballed from there. So great story, by the way. And it's it's interesting, because I, I, I'm going to equate it to cars for a second, something that almost everybody can can equate to. You buy a car, even one that you is, is more of a toy 
and you can get in it, you can drive it, you just drive it to the shop when it needs help, and most people know how to operate it. When you buy a boat, most people have, A, no idea how to sail it safely, or captain it True. safely, no idea what the maintenance looks like, no idea what to do with it once it's parked at a harbor. So I, this always fascinated me, because I, I like boats, but I always thought to myself, I just have no knowledge. So if somebody has a passion for a boat, wants to get a boat, um, they come to you, you can oversee all of that so they can just show up and go to the playpen if they want and not have to worry about, I can't drink, because that technically exactly. is a DUI. Yep. I, I think a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people in the playpen and they're mm -hmm. drinking and driving their boats. I'm like, yeah, that, the attorney in me is like, yeah, you're going to get a DUI. You can legally you drink on your boat, okay. even if you're driving. But if you are drunk, drunk, you are definitely getting a is DUI. Is it the same uh, blood alcohol level as a 0 .08? 0 .8, yeah. 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 Okay, so not very many drinks. You're the right there. You're right there. <laughs> and it's something that I always tell everybody before I bring them out on, on boats, guests that come on board, is that when you're on a boat, you get drunker a little bit quicker than you yeah. would if you're standing in a bar because of the motion of the boat, your body's constantly, constantly readjusting, the wind, the sun, you'll get drunker quicker. And it's a, I've only done it, uh, shout out to my buddy Florian who let me uh, try to learn how to drive his twin motorboat, which by the way, I just found out from Captain Davis is Easy. actually easier than a single yes, motor. Yes, it is. So now I feel really bad at, Sailing boats or cap? Is it sailing or captaining? Uh, it's either one. If it doesn't have a sail, technically, it's a yeah, you're captaining motor, a boat captaining as opposed boat. to sailing it. Yeah. Um, I was. I thought I was not very good. He said I was decent, but it was a twin motor. But it's just little differences in the way you're driving it. If you're drunk and you make little mistakes, that's the difference between you're okay and you're plowing into a, a dock or somebody else's. Boat. I always tell people driving a yacht is like driving a car with on ice with no brakes and no reverse really you know you or no brakes just say that and, yeah. and that's really what it is so you got to really have your ability to uh think about what you're going to do much more time than you would in a car you know because your steering might be a little looser it doesn't turn like a, a car and anticipating things in boating is the huge thing that was what i found it, you almost had to you would put an input in and in a car you turn a steering wheel and the input's pretty direct in car your boat you got to wait a minute wait let it do what you just told it to do right yeah. and not overreact because now then yeah. you're going to turn yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you're, then you're in trouble and now you're hitting the dock yeah the other thing um you know if you know you want some sort of toy or vehicle you kind of know what you want but we were talking off air and you said most people don't know what kind of boat makes sense for their lifestyle or what they're supposed to do, correct? And, and there's a great word is lifestyle because when you get into boating, <clears throat> you know, depending on what size even you get, it really doesn't matter, a small or large yacht, it's a new lifestyle. You're going to meet your neighbors if you're at a dock. I mean, if you're trailering, it's a little different story, but you're, you're, it's a whole new lifestyle to people and it can be an amazing lifestyle. Uh, I know people that spend more time on the water in the summer than they do on land. So, yeah, when you pick the boat, you kind of, money's obviously always the issue. But one thing I do tell people, I said, you know, money is one thing, but if you're going to buy a, a spend a lot of good amount of money on a yacht or boat or whatever, you, you're going to want to love it because you're going to be on it. And if you just bought it for the money, ah, I got this boat real cheap. That's ah, a piece of junk. Well, you're wasting your money. Right. You know, it's not like a car because a car just gets you from A to B. Right. A boat you're going to go enjoy. You're going to bring your friends. You're going to bring your family out. You're going to be proud of it, kind of. Hey, sure. let's go out on a great time on this boat. So. Yeah, that part, I, I when I try to consult people on buying new boats, I say, what do you think you want to do? You know, you're going to go to Michigan for the weekend and spend a week on the boat. Well, let's make sure you got a great bedroom and the toilet's great and the shower's great, as opposed to something completely different. Right. So, And somebody can come to you from basically A to Z. Hey, I'm thinking of getting into the boating lifestyle. 
I have X budget. I just don't know what to do with that X budget. Yes. And they can come to you and you can oversee that whole exactly. thing. Exactly. Okay. Um, you know, in something like that department, they might have a certain budget. Like, I want the biggest boat possible. Well, obviously, you're going to have to buy a used boat that may need work or your knowledge of how to do work and you're going to spend more money as opposed to, hey, maybe go a little bit smaller. You get something a little newer. Maybe it's not as many problems. I'm not saying that a new boat can't be problems, but it might not be as many problems, you think. So, and, and getting back to what you're saying in, in Chicago and dealing with boating here, it's really a, a good art uh, of getting the right people because we have kind of a limited selection of people who take care of boats here as opposed to like Florida, it's a billion people uh, fixing everything. So that, that's a big one is to figure out your team is who's going to help you sure. from cleaning it to maintenance to teaching you how to drive it correctly or taking it out and feeling trustworthy in that captain to right. take your maybe half million, a million dollar boat out. You know, you want to trust that person 100%. Yeah, and the season here is small. So if you goof up and you lose three, <laughs> two, two out of the four yeah. months that you can use it, yeah. that sucks. You lost 50% exactly. of your season. And that's how it can happen, too. So you want to make sure your boat is absolutely maintained to the absolute best standard because, exactly, you got a short period of time. Um, never chintz on a boat if you can't. You know, definitely spend the money because otherwise you're right. You could be out a month yeah. just getting something insignificant fix that wasn't maintained properly. I almost equated not just the cars, but like a race car. I'm a racing guy. Some of the people listening race cars. If you, if you chance on the maintenance and you go to the wrong people, A, it's going to cost you a lot in the long run to yes. unravel the crap work somebody did, but you're out, you could be out of the car for two months and it's the summer and you just don't mm -hmm. have it. Um, but I guess in Chicago, like you said, and I didn't know this, it's probably a handful of people you would trust to take care of certain boats. Yeah, and yeah. they'll show up, they'll do it on time, they'll do it properly, and they won't charge you an exorbitant amount of money for it. So that's that's the niche in finding those correct people. And over the past decade or so, I mean, I've definitely got a great team of people that can help out, and I can count on them. They show up when they say they're going to show up and things like that because, you know, a lot of people just don't, or they'll make some excuse or something like that. So so the playpen, I, a couple times I've been in there, I've seen – things go totally fine and then i've seen boat fires i've seen and it's always kind of the all the safety boats like zipping into the playpen to save somebody from mm -hmm. some sort of big mistake i'm sure you've had some fun oh, stories of we just sit as captains we sit in the playpen and just we call each other i'm like did you see this guy over here what he's doing right now yeah you know? so yeah the playpen's a fun time though you know oh sorry no a lot of uh you know newer boaters are in there and like i said they're drinking and yeah. they didn't know too much about boating maybe sometimes in the beginning as it was so that unfolds badly yeah um as for things i've seen just like you said from fires people anchored twisting their boats together smashing into each other unfortunately injuries i've seen a lot of injuries in the playpen uh just from people falling in between boats drunk hurt themselves yeah. getting on and off the boat uh things like that but the playpen is a, a sight to be seen that's for sure well it's a lot of drunk people trying to almost park their car their cars their boats in a yeah. row and that always gives me anxiety because just a couple times i've been out there like you said there's probably a ton of great captains out there mm -hmm. and then it's mixed in with just yeah. the average dude who's probably had a couple shots of tequila and yep. decided to try to bought that boat. boat a couple months ago nobody showed him how to drive it or how to dock or how to anchor properly and and he's i'm fine 
and just goes. And so. then the one thing I learned was kind of the right of way, you know, from a sailboat to a powerboat. There is like a, uh, yeah. a hierarchy. Well, there's right? full rules of the road. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Which yeah. the average person and I, until somebody told me, I had not no really. Idea. Yeah, they don't really know. That's why any new boater, I also tell them to go at least take what's called a power squadron class. Uh, they don't have to become a full captain, but a power squadron class will teach you the basics of the rules of the road and simple knot tying and how to anchor and who gets to go first, things like that. So, How long does it take to get a captain's license from, you know, a basic captain's license? Mm -hmm. And that could just, I could just butcher that term of art. So no. there's different licenses, obviously. There's just different levels. Once you get the license, which is called a master's license, uh, there's just different levels you can go into with more schooling and more experience on larger size boats. So once you get the base master's captain's license, it just steps up from there. Um, the first class, the first license I got, I believe it was an 80-hour class, and then you have to show 360 days of on-water experience. A and lot meaning, of but but no no no. But meaning, first off, it starts from the time you're 18 years old to the time you're now applying, and you could just have been a passenger technically on a boat. You didn't have to be captain in it now. And there goes Halfway into home. there goes into people get their captain's <laughs> license. They're like, I'm a big captain now. I'm like, wait, in five years you're a big captain. <laughs> yeah. You've actually done it as a job and worked with public and worked with people. And because the license is one thing, but doing it's another. And then from there, if you want to go to bigger size boats, that licensing has to change, correct? Yeah. Then you uh, sometimes like I just took my 500 ton or my 200 ton license, which will let into my 500. I had to go back to school and I went to. Um, School, I can't think of the name off the top of my head, down in Fort Lauderdale, one of the biggest uh, maritime schools down there. And I took uh, two weeks of courses, and that coupled with some more time I had captained larger yachts, I signed off on that. So those two combined then bumped me up in license uh, rating. So basically you can captain me and John anywhere in the world on any size boat now. Uh, we might have to get a piggyback across the Atlantic, but yeah. <laughs> so what, what is the like coolest or, or, or furthest destination you've gone? Furthest destination by boat from here uh, would be the Bahamas. Bahamas. Yeah. Bahamas, Key West, going south. I've been up in Canada on boats, going through Lake Ontario and whatnot. Uh, I have not done major Caribbean cruising, which I want to, especially the southern Bahamas and the Exumas, which are beautiful. Gorgeous. Uh, that's my next place I'd love to go to. So if you set sail essentially from Chicago, how long does it take to get down to the Bahamas? And how? Like I, I never imagined that you could actually leave Chicago get into the yeah. the Gulf and then sail your way to the Bahamas. That I've, seems I've like had cool... people argue with me, tell me, no, you can't go there. I'm like, okay. I've done it. <laughs> you want to see a picture? Um, yeah, so you leave Chicago and you go down the Illinois River to the uh, Mississippi, then you make a left turn on the Ohio. I love how he says that, you make a left turn. Mm, yeah. Hard to port is what it's called. Uh, you can keep going down to Mississippi all the way to um, New Orleans, but the Mississippi is a dangerous river, uh, not okay. only with the giant barges, You've got serious current. You've got wing dams that are funneling the current. Uh, there's a lot of stuff, and people do it. Uh, I personally never do it and don't really want to. And there's really very few places to stop your okay. boat. Uh, so you make a hard-to-turn port on the Ohio. You go into Kentucky, into Kentucky Lake, through the Tennessee River, through another series of rivers that comes out in Mobile Bay, Alabama. Okay. And those are all very boater-friendly areas, Great. that whole thing right there. There's tons of marinas, and it's beautiful landscape and stuff like that. So uh, your question, though, how long to get down there? Uh, that depends on the season and depends on how much you're running, obviously. So as a professional delivery captain, I will run usually about 10 hours a day, depending on what I have to. Maybe I have to go a little farther to get to a marina. Might have some slowdowns, but I usually plan on a 10-hour 10, 10 day. Um, cruising about 25 miles an hour or 20 
122 knots. I'll get down to Miami, Fort Lauderdale, about 14 days. Okay. So and then the Bahamas, high. obviously, are just one day across over to the Bahamas from there. So, yeah. So, and somebody can do that as almost like a vacation, and they just stop at different places and view places? So, I is mentioned it, before when we were talking, excuse me, um, the Great Loop. So, the Great Loop is, I'd refer to it as the Super Bowl for boaters, right? Um, most boaters who do set out to do the Great Loop will take about a year to do it. And uh, you follow the seasons. So, you would fall down the rivers and spring up the coast. And the Great Loop, let me explain that, is uh, basically from here to Mobile, Alabama, around Florida, back up the east coast of the United States into New York Harbor, up the Hudson River. And you can go two ways, but most people take the Erie Canal, which then empties out over into Lake Erie, Lake, or Lake uh, Huron, Lake Michigan, back to Chicago. And what size, that's a long way, what size 6, boat is miles. comfortable? For something like that people have done it on wave runners people have done it on me. canoes i have personally seen two women on a canoe paddling on the mississippi pulled up to him so where are you going i said new orleans oh. we were in st louis Holy shit. even i was like do you want something cold to drink because <laughs> it was the middle it was hot as ever i, I gotta know. imagine in canoes going by big barges have got to be oh, yeah. treacherous yeah the barges when they those barges are the size of cities. They're 40, yeah. 50 barges. And when they're pushing upstream, even though they're only going about six or seven miles an hour, they are making a wake roll behind their boat that's three, four feet high. So I did a uh, triathlon in uh, San Francisco, and the day before I did it, there were, I, I'm not a good swimmer, so I got a coach, and we're out in the bay swimming. And he stopped me and pulled me near his little dinghy and said, we got to wait because there's a barge coming. But he was way, way further away from us. And I'm mm -hmm. like, what, what are we waiting for? And he's like, just wait. And then. You feel was, the current? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a while later. You really felt the current. And I couldn't imagine being relatively close to it in a canoe because yeah. I was. I, I wouldn't want to either. Yeah. I mean. That's uh, crazy. But to answer that question, I mean, the, most people do the Great Loop in about 35 to 45 foot boat. Okay. And they do it slowly. They, you know, not only to conserve fuel, but to enjoy it. Yeah. To stop at all the great towns along the way. And so they'll do it at seven, eight, nine miles an hour. It's almost like RVing across America and just mapping out where you want Same to go thing. and seeing yeah. things, but except you're on a boat. Yeah. The lock masters along the way call the boats, ah, there's another RV coming. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But and, and that takes almost a year. What does something like that cost somebody? On average. Well, there's a big number. You know, I mean, that's a huge variable. Your biggest number, obviously, is going to be probably fuel. Okay. Um, and that's why a lot of people do it slowly, so they can serve their fuel. And then your next big thing will be docking the boat or wherever. Um, me, when I move boats, uh, I would say if you do an average 55, 60-foot boat without my cost. Right. I was going to say, that's a big cost. If you're yeah. not sailing it yourself, you have to hire someone for a year yeah. to hang out with you. So, <laughs> well, no, no, no. That would be, but that would be a, a great looper. That's usually a couple okay. doing it or a couple people or whatever. They'll do that trip. But as for delivery, um, you know, we're moving fast. We've got to get places people want their boat. So, like, uh, the 60-footer I bring back and forth is about 15000 in costs to bring it from here to Florida. 
Okay. Approximately. And that seems to be about average. I've done three this year and fifteen to twenty thousand dollars, somewhere in that range. And is that a bit is that a decent portion of the business people who enjoy it obviously in Chicago when they're here, but then go south when the weather turns and you know, want to keep a boat down there? Everything depends, right? So when fuel was pretty high a couple of years back when it was sitting four five, four right. twenty five a gallon, whatever it was up there, it was it kinda slowed down a little bit because like I say, in a larger yacht I'll burn through three four thousand gallons of fuel to get from here to florida wow. so you're talking ten plus thousand dollars easily just in fuel. so but it's definitely become much more popular because people spend you know they might spend a million two million dollars on their boat and they got it in chicago and it's only usable for four or five months so like hey i spend 20 grand and i bring it down to florida and go to go to the bahamas all winter long i mean and then they use that as their floating condo now is there a difference between the boat going from fresh to salt water and do you have to do a lot of maintenance differences because the boats are now obviously mm-hmm. affected by salt water? Um, it's, if you leave it in salt water for extended periods, yes, you, there is more maintenance involved. But if you're just bringing it down there and then you leave it down there for six months, yes, there's still maintenance. You, you might have to do what's called the bottom paint so things don't grow, you don't get barnacles sticking. Sure. Um, there's things inside the engine and also on the bottom of the boat called sacrificial anoids that if there's any uh, electricity current, electrical current in the water, it'll go to those Instead of going into your boating and eating, because electrical current in saltwater and freshwater will eat metal. Interesting. So they have sacrificial animals, so they sacrifice themselves to be eaten. And they're on the bottom of your boat and mounted in your engine. So that's something that I always tell everybody. Check your anoids, make sure they're the right brand of metal, and you put new ones in. See, these are the things that I'm guessing the average wealthy person who, "Eh, I'm going to go buy a boat. Mm-hmm. If they didn't have somebody consulting them on this, would have no freaking idea. Yeah, they may or may not. You know, I mean, you could read about it and figure it out, but you know how to do it correctly without spending a ton of money and making sure your boat is in absolute perfect condition all the time. And that's the thing down in Florida too. You want to clean your boat more often. You want to protect it from the sun. Obviously, we know the sun is much stronger down there. Right. So it'll eat up your upholstery and your uh, your eyes and glasses, which is the you know the canvas and glass on boats, stuff like that. So you definitely want somebody maintaining it. Florida, if not just in Chicago also, but definitely more in Florida. And if somebody wants to come and they say, hey, listen, I got a budget, what do you work with all different budgets, reasonably speaking, on to boats? To move boats or no, to, to, to purchase boats. So if somebody says, hey, oh, I'm looking for a boat. Them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, boating's boating. Boating's boating. You got $5,000, let's find you a boat. You got a half a million, absolutely. You know, Perfect. we're all just out boating. Got a quarter billion like the yacht we were t- talking oh, about off air, yeah. then I'll find you a boat. <laughs> but those are probably built, yeah, yeah. I'm guessing. Those are custom built for oh, somebody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, those are definitely that guy. Everything in that boat is custom built. He's picking out every single piece of fabric and material in the boat as he goes along. Yeah. And then for a boat, we spoke off air about this. Um, you can finance it almost like a home. So you can amortize it over a yeah. long period of time. Yep. And what does that look like usually? Um, well, I mean, you're looking up to about 20 years usually to uh, finance a boat. Usually they require about 20% down. The greats obviously are is competitive right now. I think the last one we did at was about four percent. Okay. Um, so it's very competitive. Plus, if you can figure out a little taxation, you might be able to deduct a little. I'm not positive on that anymore. If you can do that, but because you consider a boat is a, is a second home. Home, right? Yeah, it's got all the facilities of a home. So I'm not I'm not positive on the taxation okay. uh, deduction anymore. But yeah, you can uh, you know just float it just like a uh, a mortgage, and then then you got to also. But what happens a lot of people is they'll like, oh, I can make that payment. But depending on a large boat, you're going to have some maintenance costs. So the average number, they say, is about 10% of the cost of the boat will be your yearly maintenance on it. Okay. Meaning if 
if you need a captain, depending on the size, you know, cleaning, dockage, fuel, storage, if you're putting it away from winter, that's easily a correct number, I would say. So a half a million dollar boat could be up to 50 grand a year if you do it the right way. Could be. Yeah. If you're hiring, like I say, if you hire a captain. But usually a eh, half million dollar boat, if you kept in Chicago for the summer, you're looking at a 50, 50 plus foot boat, you're looking at maybe about. Twenty twenty five thousand dollars a okay. year. Okay, two thousand a month. Yeah, yeah, in expenses. That's like buying an exotic car. You're going to have that same sort of kind of. Yeah, and you want to make sure it's taken care of properly. Right. You know, if you think about a boat, it's one of your besides your homes would be one of your biggest floating assets. For sure. <laughs> you know? So. And, and what about yeah. the new versus used? Because obviously there's a large depreciation curve right at the beginning of when somebody buys a boat if mm. they don't use it that much. Do, is there? Is there like in, like in a car? You might not want to buy a car with 100,000 miles on it because everything might need maintenance. Is it smart to buy a used boat? Or is there like a balancing between it's this old versus this many hours of use and then you're going to have ongoing maintenance because it's too used? Well, number one thing, all the boats have the same maintenance. Okay. Okay. But then it's when you get an older boat is how well it was maintained. Did somebody actually take care of it properly? So then you got to look at that aspect. We've got to change upholstery. Are the motors due for a full overhaul? Things like that. So if it's been a well-maintained boat and it's 10 years old, I'd say absolutely buy it. Okay. Um, the rule of thumb is uh, a boat will lose about 40 to 50% of its value in about 10 years. After 10 years, it starts to slow down. It starts just to be a couple points a year. So, I mean, I guess your best value would say, yeah, maybe an 8 to 10-year-old boat. And when you're purchasing sometimes a, a car, like I always tell everybody, go get a pre-purchase inspection. So somebody can look oh, yeah. over and see that. You, if somebody was survey. to hire you, you could do that sort of thing for them or help we, them with it. No, we have, in, we have surveyors that will come out and okay. you can actually pick your own. You can hire two of them. You can do it three times, whatever, because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, everybody might see something. Other ones might miss it. But, no, I if you're buying anything of a significant price, you absolutely get a survey and a sea trial see how that boat runs out in the water okay yeah, yeah. so it's smart it's a surveys like our version of a pre-purchase yeah they're gonna go over everything on the boat yeah okay Every let you know what it means it, yeah. and you're working on the sales side as well or is it the, bro the broker side uh it's both so okay. i am uh, a licensed broker at, and i sell brand new yachts and i also do use brokerage boats Awesome. So we do a bit of both. And uh, right now, Yacht Sales International is the company that I helped open up here in Chicago. And our main product right now is Greenline Hybrid Electric Diesel Yachts. Okay. Which we think is all boats in the future will go in that direction. So explain that to me. So it's electric and diesel? Is it so like it has regular hybrid? engines just yep. like a normal boat. But then you have the ability to basically turn a switch on the dashboard and go into full electric mode. Okay. And then it's powered by... Um, Lithium batteries, same kind like as a Tesla. Sure. Uh, just much higher powered. And then it also has incorporated solar panels on all the roofs of all the models. Wow. So you can cruise around all day downtown, just no sound, no noise, no fuel burn, no nothing. And you're on pure electric and sun's keeping you going. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, from the car world, again, I'm equating the cars, the hybrid technology, they're, they're usually performing better now because you have the instant power of an electric or you're not using the power of the motor if the electric's running everything else on the inside and then yep. you have obviously the and that's the greatest thing engine. is that the electric electric system can run everything on the inside um, awesome. and then when you it's a self-contained uh, boat where if you start to get a low on electric it is a get dashboard gauge flip over to diesel start the motors in about an hour a little bit under an hour you'll be back fully charged up Oh, that's neat. Yeah, so, so you, you don't, don't have to go to back to the in. dock. Yeah, people right. think, oh, i got to go back to the dock. No, you don't have to do that. Oh. You are a self-contained unit, and you can run diesel or electric all day long. 
that seems like it's got to be the future of boating. It is. At this point. It is definitely the future of boating. Um, the company Greenline invented the system about ten years ago. Uh, they've sold over, I think, seven hundred and fifty boats. We're at now around the world, and Volvo Penta, which is one of the largest boat motor manufacturers there are in the world, has come to Greenline to figure out that technology to put it in their systems. So that'll be coming out in a couple of years. And once Volvo Penta gets it, everybody will have it. Is it a very different price point right now on a boat if you wanted to get something no, like that? No. Not okay. really. No. It's it's in line with the other boat sizes of, of that size and styles. That to me seems like because fuel is such a heavy part, cost part of owning a boat, that seems like that's really going to yeah. revolutionize boating for most people. Exactly. It absolutely will. I mean, and, and it not only appeals to power boaters, but if you know sail boaters, sail boaters love the sound of the ocean. They don't right. want to hear that exactly. motor running. So that part, they can, if they decide to get out of sailboating, hey, you can go right into here and you're still getting that beautiful sound of the water. Yeah, that seems like quite a revolutionary move. And I never thought about it. Obviously, Tesla is kind of the big name in the automotive world. Porsche just came out with one. Almost everybody's doing the electric or electric and hybrid. Mm -hmm. uh, crazy that it's Nobody now thought about that it would transfer to boats as well. Yeah. It's going to trucks soon, too. So Yeah, exactly. Boating. Large trucks, yeah. So and you, you guys sell those? Yeah, now we are the okay. the Great Lakes dealer for Green Line hybrid boats for here you. in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, that's going to blow up, I think, if uh, somebody's trying to boat. So, yeah. Um, and maintenance on the batteries is similar to everything. Like like the Tesla's, like, batteries go forever. Yeah, no, there's no maintenance on them, like, yeah. in a way. They're, they're rated for 10-plus years to run. Um, and you know they're 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 decent sized batteries. They're, people always come on board and they think, oh, how, where's the giant battery bank? No, it's just these boxes like this. And uh, the greatest thing about them is if something goes wrong with that battery, usually, um, you know, you have cells in a battery. So these ones are individual. So you could pull one out if one goes bad instead of replacing the whole battery. Oh, that's awesome. Which is a great, which is a couple hundred bucks, and that's it. Instead of you know maybe what I can't even say a number because the price of the batteries since they started making green line is like dropped by 50%. Right. Because we have, you know, such incredible battery technology these days. And it's so, only getting better. And it's only getting better. So oh, that's really neat. Mm. And we spoke off air about this too. You must run into a lot of fun delivery. So when somebody orders a really nice boat, they probably want that boat delivered. And it's, it's probably a pretty cool, uh, delivery process. Well, I mean, if you're moving around the United States, I wouldn't, I mean, it's fun for me because I get to go to great towns, yeah. meet great people. I mean, you go to towns by water that most people would not show up to. Um, you know, you get to explore the country in a different way. You know, there's no RVs usually. Uh, right. You know, you're not pulling up by car. I go to a place uh, down in Alabama, uh, Bobby's Fish Camp in I think of the name of the town. It's in the middle of Alabama. You'd never go there. This is a great little place. Yeah. I don't even know how you get there by car. You know, so but it's right on the water. You stop. They serve fish in the evening. You know, uh, fried fish. You can camp. You can you know cook, make up a campfire and stuff. So stuff like that is fantastic. But um, a lot of owners think I've had owners. Oh, you've been partying for two weeks. I'm like. Do you think I've been drinking while driving your million-dollar <laughs> yeah. yacht? No, I haven't been. No, we're there to move that boat for you and get it down there as efficient and as budget-minded as we possibly can. And is, the big, is the big delivery spot Florida in the U.S.? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. That's the big one. Yeah. I picked one up in uh, Boston in the spring and brought it to Chicago. 
Uh, I've brought them over to the like the Annapolis area before, but uh, Florida's it. Florida's the yeah, big, yeah, the big, yeah. big area. Because around the world, you know, Dubai, you got Monaco, you have different places where boating's very popular. And I always thought of, and you corrected me off air, I always thought Miami's boat show was kind of the big boat show, but it's actually Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale is a bigger show, yeah. Um, I don't know the numbers, but it is definitely larger in pricing and the amount of boats and values there. Uh, Miami's a great show. Uh, it's changing up a lot this year. They've been moving it around Miami, got it off of South Beach and over to uh, downtown Miami area, which has got more space. And it, is it like an auto show where like GM and Mercedes and everybody can show up and then have a line of boats and then people can just access the boats and take a peek at them? Absolutely. Except them 300 footers. You're got have a little background check well it's like the, it's like the lamborghini at <laughs> yeah, the auto not, show not, not they're not handing the keys that right away but no absolutely you're there to show them boats and every single aspect about them they're all open everything's running you can see everything about them no you know all their options and whatnot and and then if you're seriously interested afterwards most dealers including myself will schedule uh, a test drive with you you know take you out for a sea trial that's so really cool. The boat. I've always seen the photos of the one in Miami, and I've always said that would be such a cool thing to visit and just be able to go out and just check out all the boats. Even yeah, if, it's it's everything. I yeah. mean, you'll see every kind of boat there possible. And what is – so the Green Line, is there a different brand of boats you guys sell as well? Is it Green Line's the main one? and then? So we just um, – Made a deal to be the new Rinker boat dealer. Okay, that's a big Rinker name. Before. Yes. Rinker has been around for 75 years. They're actually celebrating their 75th anniversary this in 2020. Um, I personally, one of my first larger boats was a Rinker. So when we were approached to be the Rinker dealer, I was I was on board 100%. And that's a great family-owned business. Uh, Mr. Rinker invented it back in 1945. And I actually worked for, as a captain on a Rinker better part of 10 years ago here in Chicago. So it all kind of came great full circle for me when they asked me to be the dealer. So, yeah. And what sizes do they uh, range in? They started 18-foot, basically a bow rider, you know, when you pull a tow uh, ski or Mm -hmm. uh, inner tube on. And then the largest one, they're creating a new one now that's 38 feet long. Okay. But their their core is in the middle, like 27, 29, 32-footers. Great Chicago boat. Great Chicago boats, good enough to be on Lake Michigan. They handle the lake fine. They're great enough to go away for the weekend, you know, things like that. they got all the amenities you need to stay on board for the overnight time. How about Green Line? Now, Green Line starts at 33 feet okay. and goes all the way to 68 feet. Okay, so they get bigger. Yeah, and our main, the, main, the main body of them in selling is 40 to 50 footers. Okay. Um, we just debuted a 45-foot flybridge model in North America. This North American debut was at Fort Lauderdale show, and we just sold it the other day. So it's only been in the country a month that we got rid of it. And what does something like that cost? Uh, the 45 flybridge, I think, was listed about $1.1 million, Okay. Right around there, fully loaded. It's a good size boat. Yeah. And it has the solar panels incorporated and all that, so you can use all that. Every boat has that on it. And I think what people don't, I think, uh, I work in real estate, so I know when you get a loan over 25 years or 30 years, that payment's a lot less because in your mind you're thinking, oh, a million dollars, no way. you got to put 20% down. I think we spoke about that. usually, Uh, But then that payment becomes something quite a bit more reasonable when you're stretching it out over 20, 25 years. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost as expensive as a million-dollar house, um, or, or maybe even more expensive if you're doing a 30-year loan, but mm. it's not. You're not coming with a million dollars up front. Well, some people do. Some people do. Yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah. You can. yeah, I'm sure I've it's seen appreciated. It many times. Yeah, people show up with the cash, ready to write a check. So, are there a lot of players in the boat financing world, or is it is it a small market? It's nothing like real estate. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, we do our financing. Um, 
we have our own in-house financing and I always tell people, people are like, well, I'm going to go to my bank. Well, your bank doesn't know boats. Right. We know boats and our lenders know boats. They can evaluate the boat you want to buy and what they're going to give it to you in like, in like an hour. Whereas you're going to go to your bank and he's going to have to go figure it out. Yeah. Uh, what is this boat? How many is out there? You know, so I always recommend you stay with the boat loans with us or even if you want to go to another boat loan company, but don't go to your credit union, you know, if you can. Uh, rates might be, I probably, I always tell people we can get you the best rate. I can't even imagine doing that for a boat because for specialized cars, some credit unions will do it, but your Chase or Bank of America their head explodes when you give them a car that is not something you're going to the dealership to it's not buy normal. normally. It's not yeah, normal. Exactly. Like, well, what the heck is this? They mm-hmm. can't put a value on it. Yeah, they can't their value risk it. profiles all over the map. They're scared to death to take on that loan because yeah. they're not sure about it and what will happen down the line. So that's why I recommend always go to a boat lender. And, yeah, there's some big ones around the country. Uh, we use Yacht Closer Boat Lender, which is one of the largest in the world. So they have the money. They are the ones that can figure out that loan for you right then and there. I honestly, after having the conversation for like an hour with you off air and now on air, I can't imagine ever being a boat buyer and not coming to somebody like you to get all the information. Because I feel like I'm fairly savvy when it comes to the toy world of things. But there's just so much more that goes into owning a boat that the average person never gets an education on. No. And that's one of the things with uh, Yacht Sales International we're trying to do because me being a captain for so long, I know all the other facets of boat ownership, uh, especially here in Chicago. I mean, if you buy a boat on a trailer, that's one thing. You're going to take it home and wash it in the driveway and keep it there. But if you buy a boat that needs a slip, that's a process. So you want to make sure you get a nice slip. You want to get it in advance. You want to try and figure out, you know, what you need, what harbor you want it at. And then you're going to want the care during the time you're there, like I said, people cleaning it, people fixing it. So we do a whole setup with giving everybody every piece of information. We even set them up with our wholesale accounts to accessorize the boats and make sure they get the best deal for the accessories. I mean, we try to do a full one-stop shop thing because you're trying to maintain that lifestyle. Right. Where I'm not coming to fix my boat every week and, ah, oh, it's broken again. Oh, I got to go wash it. If you're buying a significant amount of boat, spend a little extra and have it all taken care of for you. I, I- Imagine if you don't do boating the right way and the lifestyle the right way and have the right advice, it can sour the uh, the feeling of being a boat owner oh, very, yeah. very quickly I, for you. I can think of one in particular. A gentleman uh, bought an 85-foot, I believe it was an ocean yacht, several million dollars. And he had a guy come to help him once in a while to do little maintenance items. But it was basically him and his wife. And the majority of the time, all I saw him was yelling at each other. She would have to go get the line off the front. She wasn't doing it right. I'm like, why doesn't this guy hire a captain? He's right. a big CEO of a company. And he spent $2 million. He has the money to do they it. They wound up getting rid of it the next year. Because he's like, ah, it's too much of a problem. I'm like, you did it wrong. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm sure did. he lost a nice... Oh, he lost a lot. Yeah. Bit and, of money. But th- that's one big thing. I mean, I told him multiple times, why don't you get somebody to help you here? You know, so... Or get a headset, at least, so you're not yelling at your wife across the bow. <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh, <laughs> way more expensive when he ends up divorced. Exactly. Get a hundred dollar headset; it'll be a real cheap one. So, any um, any f- I don't want to say fun horror stories, but any uh, crazy horror stories of being on the water? Horror stories, like or, it wasn't or, a good day. Well, yeah, like a oh, kind of like a tough man. day. Do you want me to check my notes because I wrote some down? Because <laughs> yeah. man, I'm I've been doing this the, a long time. <laughs> well, the hundreds of thousands of miles that you've you've logged going places, I imagine you've come across some interesting 
Uh, well, you know, when I do those boats, me and whoever I bring with me, a co-captain, a first mate, we make sure the boats are running right. We have extra spare parts so we don't run into problems. If anybody asks me how was the trip, it was boring and uneventful. I'm thrilled. Right. You know, I don't want any problems. Um, but as for doing, like, private boats here in Chicago and taking people out, I've probably done, I don't know, thousands of trips here in Chicago on hundreds of different boats. So there's always some fun, interesting things there what people do, you know, and get crazy or stupid or whatever. Um, I'm trying to think of any horror stories. You know, mainly the horror stories are weather will scare you. I yeah. mean, when some weather shows up, I'm really good at being a weatherman since I became a, a captain. But when some weather shows up, it just goes, what is this coming? And we got no way to get out of here. So that one's scary. Or I think I started talking about um, I was delivering a boat up the Mississippi in what I consider m most challenging little area to me of Mississippi. Uh, and I lost a motor just like that. It was gone. And I didn't know why. And it was a newer boat, and I wasn't sure if it would happen to the other motor because I had no clue what just occurred. That one scared me. <clears throat> but luckily, I maintained one motor and was able to get to a dock after driving for four miles an hour for about eight hours. Oh, God. Up the Mississippi with barges and a strong current in the rain. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of stuff scares me, you know, because well, I don't want to. a helpless feeling. It is a little helpless. I mean, I know what to do, but if you lose two motors, you're, you know, you might not even be able to anchor. Right. And the current on the Mississippi is strong, so it could sweep you down and into the bank, which is made of all rocks, and you don't want to think about it. So, And I imagine when you get into the ocean, when the weather turns, that becomes just a, a disaster. It can, it can That's why I said, I mean, way. being a captain, you better learn the weather well. Uh, it's one thing I tell, uh, I actually send apps to everybody that I sell boats to and get them involved. I said, here, learn Lake Michigan. Because you don't want to wind up on the news tonight. And that's how it happens. They go out. They don't know there's major 40, 50-mile-an-hour winds coming their way. And all of a sudden, they're in trouble. You know, and they might sink or whatever. So, uh, but, yeah, weather's – I try to avoid it. Everything I can. I, I'll stay at the dock. I'm, I'm a risk taker, but I, I – just having this conversation and thinking about it, it makes so much sense to have a captain and a crew and people who know what they're doing. Because I'll tell everybody listening or watching – you cannot swim as far as you think you can swim. I no. swam from Alcatraz to the shore, and it took me five months of swimming like a madman, yeah. and I barely made it, and that's not that far. How, how, what's the distance, like a half mile or No, mile? it was a mile and a half if you swam the smart route. I swam a stupid route, so it was 2.2 miles by the time I hit shore. But, and you trained before you did it, and it was still quite challenging. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was brutal, and I had trained a lot. So <laughs> if you are out... Any distance past a half mile and you're not well trained in swimming yeah. in open water and you can't sight right. Plus, if the water's cold, you're going to get hypothermic right. way faster than you believe you will. Well, it was 54 degrees there and I had a wetsuit on and it was freezing when you touched the water. So I did a, um, <clears throat> I don't know what you call this, it'd be a, kind of maybe like a timeshare boat years ago. Uh, they were doing uh, packages and I was the captain for them. And I was out at night with a group for their birthday. And it was a younger crowd. They were okay. They were starting to get a little liquored up. And I had a first mate with me. And we're cruising after the fireworks downtown on a Saturday night. And I'm heading back to Burnham Harbor. And uh, my first mate comes up. This is a 50-foot boat. I can't remember how large. Kevin, somebody just jumped off the back. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, go look at him right now. Don't lose him. It's pitch dark out there. Yeah. So I managed to stop. And, you know, the thing about that is even that. Like, okay, stop the boat, right? Well, I had half a dozen girls dancing on the bow so i can't stop the boat fast they'll all fly in the water so i oh, have God. to really ease back really ease back by that time that guy is a quarter mile behind me so 
I said to her, uh, she actually got out a spotlight and found him. I said, find him because we're not going to be on the news tonight, and that's what we'll be. And I don't want to be there. So she found the guy, and he jumped off the back and got on a boat. And he didn't fall. He jumped. And we're like, what did you do? I go, you know you could die. He's like, oh, I'm a good swimmer. I go, not until you get hit in the head with another boat that comes flying by that doesn't right. see you out there. So luckily that story turned out to be good. I got him back to the dock, and that was the end of their trip. But thank goodness. <laughs> well, liquor gets involved. <laughs> and liquor gets so involved. I see a lot of stupid Everybody you know, turns into Superman, and they want to think that. He's like, I'm a good swimmer. I'm like, it doesn't matter. No. It doesn't make one bit of difference. So We had triathletes who are way better swimmers than me quitting halfway through that swim just because they couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, your body can only take so much. So, yeah. but <clears throat> well, I, I, I'm fascinated by everything you do and, um, we appreciate you coming on the show. We always ask this of every guest before we wrap up. Mm -hmm. Um, any advice for in your business is a unique one and you've grown it and you've dealt with, a lot of um, interesting challenges. You said, you know, the market shifted quite dramatically. You know, there's a downturn in the market, which makes luxury goods like a boat really difficult to, uh, mm -hmm. to sell or to consult on. Um, the advice doesn't have to be just for somebody getting into your line of business, but anybody getting in the business in general. Any advice for us? Um, I was saying, before, I, I've had like one decent failure. We tried to go get a different line of yachts uh, over in Istanbul about two years ago, and it, it turned into a failure. And it, it really worked out for the best. And I was disappointed after it happened. Uh, we couldn't make a deal with them, and we spent a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of money. And uh, after that, I was kind of disenchanted about the whole thing. But it really worked out to be the best because that was the wrong thing for us. And we learned it afterwards. And the best thing, you know, and it's a simple business thing. Failure will build you. It really will. And from that point, we came out of that saying, I learned a lot. I, I, I figured out. I, I know what I made my mistakes on. Now let's go try it again. And I encountered Greenline uh, down in the Miami Boat Show, started talking with them, and we wound up striking a deal. And... And see how it goes from there and it's been fantastic since so the thing is failure is part of it yeah. it, re it really is part of it um as for being a captain um if anybody ever wants to be a captain it's way more than just driving the boat um it's all about the people because those people not only trust you and they almost a lot of my members consider me part of their family in a long way you know i'm very very integral in their in their world and that's a big thing because I, I always say anybody can drive the boat. It's all the other stuff that you got to do right. Sure. So never focus so much on the work, but everything around it and every network it can go to. Um, when I first became a captain down in, in, in the harbors, I saw huge opportunities. I was like, there's nobody down here like doing it 100%, like as professional as they can and making everybody have a great time. Because on a boat, a captain kind of sets a tone a lot of time. Of you got a cranky old guy smoking a cigar telling everybody to shut up and sit down. Yeah, that's not fun. It's a problem. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I try to be a little in between. I try to be fun, but a little firm, saying, you know, this is dangerous out here, but let's have a great time. I don't want anybody to get hurt. I want yeah. us all to come back to the dock safely, and I don't want to make the news. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's my advice on that part. But failure is definitely an issue. Yeah. And it can happen. I always say, if, if you're not failing, you're probably trying not hard, tr not trying hard enough to succeed. And anybody who's ever been successful in business has failed a lot. It's just how they respond to failure. You took a failure and took a turn with it and went in the right direction. And mm -hmm. now you guys are doing awesome. Yep. And I, you know, from the limited times I've been on boats, uh, I agree. A captain really does set the tone. And just hanging out with you for the last 
our, you know, our 20 minutes. You're a fun guy, but obviously you also have an incredible wealth of knowledge, not just from how to maneuver a boat around, but just the whole lifestyle, you know, what to do when things go wrong when you're in the middle of the Mississippi. And that's a big boat. one. Don't panic. Don't panic. Try not to. Even yeah. You might be panicking on the inside, but don't panic on the outside. But be trained in knowing what to do yeah. when a problem does go wrong, and it will. I promise you it will. Your reaction to a tough situation or a situation that would cause panic and the way you react to it matters so much. I, I've instructed in race cars. I've sat, you know, sitting in the right seat of somebody's car and they're going 140, 50, 60 miles an hour and something goes wrong. You got to react and speak <laughs> to them calmly because yeah. your lives are in danger. Exactly. You're doing the same thing at a higher mm-hmm. level. So um, really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Uh, we had a blast. Uh, I think once the summer hits and John and I can get on a boat, we're going to have to get We're all going to be good you. friends, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. We're going we're to circle back. And, you know, we were talking off air of trying to do something like this on a boat. Yep. If we can try to do that on a boat, that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. And maybe coming out and trying to feature some of the boats you're, yeah, you know, you're, you're selling would be yeah. really we'll cool. We'll have uh, the Rinker boats and the Green Line boats uh, now for this summer. So, yeah, we're going to have a nice little armada of yachts there ready to go. Well, John and I are going to come visit as soon as weather breaks. And we appreciate you coming on. And uh, that was a whole lot of fun. Gotcha. Thank you so much. Thank I you so much. It. John, I butchered letting you ask any questions. No, like I no, asked. You guys John covered part a lot. Of the crew? You guys yeah. covered a lot. So uh, I kind of figure if I hold back and don't ask any questions. I'll eventually get there. No, no. Uh, I was thinking more long game. I figured <laughs> this way Kevin's going to have to invite us to come out onto a boat so I can ask him oh. the questions that uh, I didn't get to ask today. So I'm, uh, I'm looking out for the two of us. So. I this also got totally fun. geeked out, so I just looked at the time and I blew through basically the entire hour. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and <laughs> I'm geeked out by this stuff and very fascinated by all of it, so that was awesome. I'd even touch on like a celebrity story or anything like that. Well, you, you know, we, like we've had a lot of people back on for a, a second. I think we would have a lot of fun having you on again. And I go again. You oh, know, absolutely. We'd love to come by and... Uh, John does a fantastic job. He does a lot of videography and, and stuff. And it'd be fun to go out, take a look at everything he's got, come back and just kind of talk about Do a recap. some of the actual boats. I'm fascinated about the hybrid boats. I think that's super cool. And well, is... we'll be at the boat show if you guys want to come there. If you're there, it's January 8th through the 12th at McCormick Place. McCormick? Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah, that'd be fun. That would be Call fun. me in advance. I might even get some free tickets so you don't got to pay to get in the door. Cool. Oh, love that? it. Love that. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. So we'll have the it. Green Line 39-footer and then all the rinkers. There's going to be five rinker boats there. John, we need an AE so, yeah. wheelhouse boat on the back of it. It says AE wheelhouse. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we do. We Ambitious do. entrepreneurs. Thank, again, Captain Davis, thank you so Absolutely. much for coming on. Yep. So, John, are we going to start rolling the film now? We are going Genie? to do the second half of the uh, interview that we – well, we showed the first half last week, pre-recorded. Um, and so we're going to air the second half, and it's primarily of Jeannie. Brody is still there in the, in the interview shot. But it's primarily Jeannie talking about uh, how the plane crash affected uh, the family – and all that they went through as parents and the support that they got from outside, uh, whether friends and coworkers and such, it's really, it is powerful. So um, I do know that we went a little long, but we're having a great time with, with the captain. But uh, yeah, this is, this is, you know, stick with this. We're going to run a little over an hour, but uh, this is fantastic. So I'm going to let it, let it roll now. Perfect. And uh, we'll come back afterwards and wrap the show. Perfect. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. 
Well, hey, everybody, we're back again. We have Brody and Jeannie. Jeannie is Brody's mom, and I'm excited to t chat with both of you now. Um, Jeannie, obviously, this is not an easy thing to go through as a mom. Um, this is going to be a tough question. How did you feel, obviously, when a phone call came in that there was an airplane accident, Brody was in it, and uh, what were your initial reactions to that? Well, I, I remember uh, I was in a flight attendant strategic team meeting in Phoenix. So typically I would have been flying, but I was able to answer my phone. And it was Bob, the captain that we owned the plane with. And I knew because he would not have been calling me. And finally I talked to my husband and he said, my first question was, is he alive? He said, yes. I said, is he burned? He said, no. And he told me where to go to the hospital, but I couldn't drive. And so I had to wait for my best friend to come get me. And looking back on it, it, it was not fun, but my husband kept butt dialing me. <laughs> and every time it happened, I thought he was going to tell me that he was gone. And then they waited for me to get to the surgery because he had uh, broken everything, femur, you know, everything. And uh, I remember uh, just talking to him. And at that point, I had no idea how s severely he was injured. Um, so it's just not a phone call you, you ever think you're going to get. I mean, hey, I've been in a, a minor car scrape or something, but not... Not that. Right. Uh, I, I cannot imagine, and I, I see the relationship the two of you have. So uh, I know you were close before, and I'm sure you're even closer now. I, I Off air, for those of you watching or listening, watching the two of you have fun and banter with each other is really fun to watch. I can tell you have <laughs> an incredibly close relationship. Yes. And um, obviously f family and people outside the family – came together to support because that whole time Brody was obviously in a coma must have been very difficult because you don't know when that that's going to end the coma. Yes, it was. I mean, um, I've been a flight attendant for Southwest airlines for 29 years now, and it was my personal family and friends and my personal life. And it was also my Southwest family, uh, that, that really got us through, uh, through a tragic event, I saw so many good things in people. And uh, just Southwest would send food to the intensive care for everyone up there. And uh, flight attendants would come sit with me for hours in the intensive care. And, um, and just my family here at home, there would, you know, be food everywhere. And, and, and then when we took him to Denver, I would say that was the hardest part for my husband and I because we moved away for six months away from our support system from and rented a condo there while he was at uh, Craig Hospital. Great hospital. And um, it, that was hard not to have your support. And but again, Southwest said, anytime you or your husband want to come home to Phoenix, we will give you positive space. And... If they would not have done that, we you can't get between Denver and Phoenix. It's just the flights are full. Right. And another thing I remember is the vice president of all the flight attendants, Sonia LaCour, called.
calls me two days after the accident and said, you're no longer a flight attendant. You're a mom. You take as much time as you need. And that was so touching. And then even down the road, I had a handwritten note from our CEO, Gary Kelly, telling me he had heard of the story and was praying for us. I, um, I know of Southwest a little bit through John and Maggie, and obviously uh, knowing Maggie's interactions with Southwest. And I, I've come to learn through the interactions and now through the story you told of what an incredible support and family feel Southwest has. So it's great to hear that Southwest reached out and was so supportive throughout what obviously for any mom or father has to be the most difficult thing in the world. Yes, they, they were. It's, it was um, ironic. Every facility we went to, the doctors, all the staff, one of the first things they would ask me when they found out I worked for Southwest was, Southwest is so fun and loving, but how are they with something like this? And I said, amazing. That's fantastic they, to hear. In Omaha, Mom. Yeah. I went to rehab in Omaha. How was that? Saying, like, there's some good-looking girls there. <laughs> like su Southern girls? <laughs> good sushi, good-looking girls. It was like my heaven. And I wouldn't expect again, the good sushi, but the good-looking girls I can expect. Yeah, me either, but it, he's right. It's true. They were really hot. Um, but it... It was a um, same thing, positive space for my husband and I between Omaha and Phoenix as well. How long were you in Omaha? Now, three months. He was there three months, but we weren't allowed to, to live with him there. He was in a, in a house. House five. And he was just emerged in therapy all day long. Okay. And then when he left to fly one day and it literally did not come home for 10 months. Unbelievable. And yeah, from August 1st until May 30th, he was gone and came home in a wheelchair. And it's been about almost a year that he's been walking and he walks with no assistant uh, devices. And you, in this program he's in, you have to interview to get into it because the state funds it. And it, if they didn't believe that you were ready to go back to work or go back to school or learn to drive again, then you wouldn't be in the program. Right. When I heard about the story, John, I think it was maybe almost a year ago when I heard Brody's story and it touched John and I and to hear and see Brody here and we're able to have this communication and see how amazing he's doing. And he's walking unassisted. You're a miracle. And quite frankly, um, both you, mom, your, your husband, Brody, your father and you, especially the strength you've had to go from, you know, ending up in a coma after an accident to us talking today is unbelievable. A lot of people would be um, very down on life, would just, this would not be how they would be um, just a little bit after an accident like that. So congratulations to all of you on how Thank incredible you. the progression's been for him. Thank you. And, and, and I will say, you know, I, Maggie knows the story because we would work together on the fast team and, you know, I think sometimes you're on the team to help other people out there and other flight attendants, but that team really helped me. I wasn't really there. Well, <laughs> no. you were there in spirit. And yes. you were hanging out with the cute girls in Omaha for part of it. Honestly, Brody, I, I know I'm speaking for John, me, and everybody listening. You are a miracle, and your 
positivity, just us talking for the last 15, 20 minutes here and before we started, your positivity is infectious. And mom, yours too, I, again, had to have been so hard to deal with. I'm sure the moment Cody came out of the coma was probably one of the most exciting moments of your life, but also one of the scariest moments thinking, what, what's the road look like going forward? And I'm sure that that road from when he you know, woke up from the coma to now has been incredible to watch. How has that been to watch him go from that moment to us sitting here and being able to chat with each other? Sometimes it's just surreal and as you, but what's crazy is the very first time that he talked, it was just a whisper. And they said, Brody, say mom. And he said, mama. And because he doesn't call me mom. Yeah. I'm from the South and he calls me mama. And I knew he was in there. And because right. he wasn't just repeating what they said. Right. Uh, but one of the things, Mo, that I learned when I was in Denver and, and it's a choice, but I had to make that choice was that I cho I still do choose to live in my hopes, not in my fears. We yeah. define our circumstances. They don't define us. I, I got to tell you this. I, I this We've had a lot of guests on the show, both in studio, FaceTime from around the, we've had them around the world actually now. You're, you're inspirational and you really are a miracle story. Bo both God. you Brody and you guys as a family. God well, saved my you. life. There's some girl out there for me. I want people to know, I want this to be a message of hope and how far we've come and he's come, but how far we've come as a family. Yeah. And, 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 it, and I believe it has, I know it's touched many, many people. And I believe that that's one of its purposes yeah. is, you know, to see someone go through what they went through and come on the other side of it. This broadcast makes it to Phoenix. Hey girls, I'm single. We're gonna, you know what? We're gonna try to find you a girl. Mom's gonna get mad unless we're working on you getting better. But mom, you tell me when you're ready for us to find him a girl, and we will find ready, him a girl. I'm ready. <laughs> What's your type, blonde or brunette? I don't care. No, he doesn't. We'll find you one. You know, one of the things that's been difficult is the crash was two months after high school graduation. Yeah. He was gone for ten, like I said. Then he was in such intense rehab and couldn't walk and was in a wheelchair and a handicapped vehicle and his friends all went to college so i think that's been the difficult thing is there's no one really around right now that's his age that he knew he didn't get to move forward he was kind of he's kind of stuck back there a little bit yeah well i'll tell you what brody and uh Jeannie, how, how far he's come in that time is unbelievable and i i am certain he is going to catch up to that soon Tell what you're getting ready to, to do. What? Go back. I'm getting ready to go back to the Dutch Bros. Where he works, a coffee house. I worked, I worked, I've been in the Dutch Bros for five years. Awesome. Is it local to you, you guys? It's um, from actually from Oregon. And Grand, Grand Pass, Oregon, it's 1992. It's, I'm excited for you to go back to work. And I'm excited, and, and we want to have you guys back on. I think I'm speaking for John behind the camera. This would be it cool does. to just kind of keep chiming in with you guys and see how, seeing how Brody's doing and seeing how you guys are progressing. And the moment you have a girlfriend, I, I definitely want to know now. And you want to see a picture of her? Well, she'll, be, she'll be hot. Yeah, listen, we're going to stay friends of this show, and uh, we're going to have you on more. And 
at some point, we'd love to have you in studio here as well. And uh, we'll maybe we'll do a little dating show here in Chicago for him. We sure will when it's not 26 degrees. Yeah, yeah come when it's 110 degrees there and it's 80. Yeah. Thank you very yeah. much. And thank you, John. I gonna, appreciate you gonna, both of you telling the story. Are you going to air in Phoenix? Yeah, it's going to air all over. So it's going to be on Facebook, YouTube. We'll send it all to you so you can see the entire episode. And again, oh. I, I am thank so you, thankful for you guys taking the time to talk to us. I know John is as well. What an incredible story. You know, again, congratulations, Brody, and congratulations, Mom. You guys are miracles, and you're incredible. I, I and I have a lot of fun chatting with you, so I can't wait to keep doing this again and again. I'm, I'm glad thank to be. I'm glad to be alive and thank you. A lot of progress. Thank, I thank God every day to be alive. Thank you for having us on here. And, thank and, you, guys. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. See you, buddy. Bye. Bye, Bye. guys. So that was some really powerful, inspirational words, I think, that came from Jeannie. I mean, what an outlook as far as, you know, she even looked at this as hoping that it will inspire other individuals going through a hard time of any different sort, that they can look at Brody as a source of strength and inspiration, and uh, how thankful she was towards her, well, towards Southwest Airlines and just different individuals, higher up individuals there. And just so, I mean, the two of them and I'm sure it permeates the whole family. Just very grateful, humble individuals who are looking for people to thank rather than giving the oh, poor me situation. Really uh, just looking outward in a positive way and saying thank you and trying to help others. And that's just so cool to me. Yeah. You know, I think of two things that pop into um, my mind when I was talking to Jeannie and Brody, mm -hmm. and it's just the, the love between them. You you can tell immediately, both before they were on air, oh yeah, um, and while they were on air. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, it's the love of a mom and a son, but almost to a level that is even turned up more than that because yeah. they've they've gone through the struggle together. And um, the other one is appreciation and how much they appreciate not just each other but everybody who's been around right. them supporting them. I think right. love and appreciation is kind of the, the two things that I yeah. felt yeah. when I was talking to the two of them. And I go back to thinking, and, and I'm not a parent, but I go back to thinking of what would be going through my mom's head mm. if she had gotten a call with that happening to me. And she, she had gotten a call one time that I'd been in a very bad car accident, mm. but I called. Right. You know, and she didn't believe that I was okay, you right. know, and, and the, the frantic panic. But to be a mom and, and get a phone call, your son was in a plane accident, he's, he's going to be in a coma. I, I can't even imagine it. And then for her to have the strength to then be there for him mm -hmm. um, and, and the whole family, and I'm sure uh, her husband and Brody's mm -hmm. dad very the much. same way, um, was very powerful. I mean, it was, it was maybe one of the most powerful slash... Um, great things that I've seen, not right. just on Wheelhouse, but ever. Yeah. yeah and, you know, it's with everything that Brody has gone through and it's still going through uh, when it comes to the the initial accident and coming to terms with, holy shit, this is me now, um, and being told by doctors, you're probably never going to walk again, you're never going to talk again, or if so, very, very little. Um but then to power through and get himself uh, back up and walking and 
going through speech therapy and now he's uh you know looking to go back to work and and i know we talked about this but just you know spirit the spirit but i mean it's like talking with a 21 year old guy who just wants a girlfriend i mean he's just right back to being a 21 year old guy who's like hey i want to i want a hot girlfriend and i want to go out and have fun and yeah all this other stuff happened to me and i'm dealing with it but in the meantime i you know (laughs) i kind of want to get out and play a little bit one of my uh, closest family friend's sons is 22, mm-hmm. and it reminded me of some of the conversations I have with him. Mm-hmm. I need a girlfriend. You right. know, I'm trying to get on dating apps, and uh, you know, yeah. I need to find myself a girl. And it was fun to see Brody start again to have fun with life. You know, mm-hmm. to, to to enjoy the fact that he's 21 again. Because go back to when you're 18, you know, that, that time frame from 18 to 21 is maybe the most fun you've ever had. Yeah. yeah at 21, you start to drink. We all had fake IDs. We went out, we had a good time, mm-hmm. but that was not just taken from him. It, it, it was taken from him and it also challenged him in a way that throughout your entire life, you're never going to be challenged like that. You no. got to learn to walk again, no. talk again. You know, um, you, you have to feel like people are, um, you know, you're relying on people, the difficulty in right. that. Um, and at such a young age when everybody else is going off to college and, and they're able to live their lives like they should, for Bodhi to have um, the, I almost want to say the grit, but also the positive enough mindset not to give up because, shoot, I, I wouldn't blame anybody for giving up in that no, sort of scenario no, no. And, and having a very negative mindset and just not being happy with life. Right. He he was a breath of fresh air. He was a lot of fun. And he put a lot of things in perspective for me since that conversation. You know, you have a bad day because you're running late or you have a bad day because, you know, something went wrong. Right. This is a kid who at from 18 to 21 was robbed of those years and now has to gain back the ability to live life and then his parents you know having to watch their son go through that and wow being supportive very powerful a lot of fun if anybody has a girlfriend for brody <laughs> help him out he's yeah, down in uh right. arizona uh he's a great guy and uh we you know i gotta go down to arizona with you sometime and yeah he needs a wingman are, if things go well uh or according to plan we'll probably maggie and i'll be back down there uh in march early march usually spring training, Cubs spring training. And the next time we go, whether it's then or a little bit later in the year, you, you can rest assured we're going to get together with Jeannie and, and, and Brody and uh, hang out and have a drink, bring him some limoncello because he made mention of that yes. a couple of times. He really likes that. Uh, and just hang out. And, you know, Maggie knows Jeannie because uh, they work together. Southwest. So, I mean, she they're like legit friends. And so... The, the backstory, the the conversations I've had with Maggie, she said everything uh, as far as how Jeannie was in this interview is she's like that every day, all the time, just looking for people to help and ways to give back. And just, I mean, that's just her genuine, authentic being. And so I look forward to meeting her in person. And you made mention in the interview about at some point having Brody in studio awesome. and with the Southwest connect, there's no reason, you know, come summertime, let's say him come, have them come up and, uh, come on in and do a, do an interview and see the whole shebang and yeah, take him out and find my girlfriend. Yeah. Listen, Brody, <laughs> when you come up here, if I come down there, you got a wingman and me and yeah. Yeah, I, happen, yeah. I happen to be an okay one. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll find you a girl. But the other thing, Southwest, I, I mean, the, 
I've heard it through you, mm-hmm. how, how incredible they've been, through you and Maggie, mm-hmm. um, to Maggie, to their staff, to people who work for them. Being such an incredibly large company, mm-hmm. that sometimes gets lost. You know, you have a giant company the size of Southwest, and that care for the the individual who's maybe not, might not be a CEO, might not be, you know, mm-hmm. a high executive. Sometimes that gets lost in translation, and it's nice that with Southwest, everybody band together and was supportive of her. Yeah, you know, in, in such a big company, so that was really nice to hear because it just reiterates what a uh, great culture Southwest has. So that was really cool to hear about as well. I concur. I concur. I so, wish they flew out of O'Hare. <laughs> make my life easier. You can make it down to Midway. I You're know a big I boy. Can. Um, but no, that was incredible, and I hope all of you listening or watching took some inspiration from that, whether you're a parent, whether you're somebody going through something difficult, mm-hmm. um, take some inspiration from him. I did mm, um, indeed. from him and her. Yeah. And uh, it put a lot of things into perspective. You know, yep. Things can get tough and it's okay to get down on a tough situation in your life, whether sure. it be tiny or big. This morning I was irritated having to run around running late and I was irritated in the moment, but I have to be able to pull myself back and put myself in perspective or look at things with a perspective of, there are people going through some really hard stuff, Real stuff. with a positive attitude. So yep. shame on me for having a negative attitude about something that is not as serious as, as it was this morning. But I, I've watching and hearing that back always put some perspective in my life. And I, I hope it did for a lot of people as well. Yeah. Day to day life, you know, you do. You're able to get caught up in whatever, yeah. running late or red lights or traffic, whatever. But it's the people that can snap back and get back into a positive light and, and you know, fun to be around. Uh, but the people that stay there and just are always looking for something to be wrong. Yeah. You know, it's like you're looking for a problem in the best possible scenarios. You just want to pick something out. Those are the people that I have a short window of time that I can be around. And it's like, you know, get out of your own way and your own positive light because there is positivity out there. And I mean, my goodness, somebody like Brody, if he doesn't humble the the negative people, <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, my goodness. So yeah, shout out to them. And I appreciate them taking the time to speak with us. The story yeah. is incredible. We heard about it months back. Mm-hmm. And from hearing about Brody's condition, when I first heard about the story, yeah. I think you had heard about it yeah. a bit before me to being able to actually see Brody on a FaceTime and have a conversation with him was an incredible thing to see because I, quite frankly, didn't know what to expect. You have somebody who's been in a plane accident and uh, you you presume that that road is very hard, uh, Mm -hmm. but you don't realize the struggle he's gone through. But uh, it was like talking to another, like I said, to a friend of mine that's 21 years old. And I was so happy to see that for him. Yep. It's a good positive way to roll out of 2019 into 2020 yeah, and, and close out the close out the show but close out the year and in a good positive light with uh you know somebody leading the way like brody and that's yeah yeah it's i, I think you just you bump and set it perfectly to kind of uh close this thing out and close the year out you know everybody going into 2020 and to any new year uh, usually feels rejuvenated, motivated. And I always say, you know, run with the motivation. Some people shame that. Oh, everybody's going to the gym and it's in January and then in February they die out. It's like, don't poo-poo motivation when somebody right. has it. If you got it, use it. Um, and mindset's such a big part of that. Mm-hmm. And I think you've done a really nice job of making us close out with this. So I appreciate that because it it put me in a positive mindset. I mean, I'm not dealing with anything like Brody, but I've been complaining to you. My shoulder hurts. I can't get 
you know, physically back into where I was. And I think to myself, I'm like, this guy went through a plane crash. Yeah. Who the hell am I to complain because my shoulder hurts me? (laughs) You know, have a positive mindset going into 2020. And I hope everybody appreciated the body of working guests we had in 2020 in 2019. I learned a lot from our guests from you. I've had a blast in 2019. You know, we started this in 2018. I had no idea where the heck we were going to go with this. And uh, going into 2020, I'm super excited. Uh, The guests have been great from day one through today. You know, Mm -hmm. Captain. Honest uh, goodness. Yeah, that that interview when I knew because I had had a conversation with him on the phone. What a great personality he has. And uh, yeah, it, it ran way longer. And but he had good stories and good information. And wow, cool. Yeah, we've gone from, like I said, we've done charities, we've done new business owners, um, experienced business owners, Mm -hmm. uh, people in the political realm, Mm -hmm. we've done people on television, and we've, I've learned so much from everybody. And I, I, if this is the first or second or third time you're listening to our show, I, I, not just to give us views or listens, I, I implore you to go back Mm-hmm. And listen to some of these stories, mm-hmm. whether it be on YouTube, on Facebook, if you want to listen on Spotify, iTunes, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, either watch or listen to some folks because we, I think, do a fair job of allowing them to tell a great story. And right. I've learned so much from listening to other people. The path to success is typically out there. Mm-hmm. And being able to learn from people's successes and failures, like you know, Captain mm-hmm. Davis was talking about failures today, um, I think is so impactful not just if you're an entrepreneur or business owner, if you're going through something hard, if you're uh, looking to change your life fitness-wise, schedule-wise, there's so much in there. So yep. I- I'm biased, I'm sure you are, because we are a part sure. of this and close to it, but I-, I genuinely am appreciative of the time people have given us, and I've learned so much. Yes, I agree with everything you just said. I do think there are a lot of smart, uh, very smart people out there who are not in high-profile jobs, so they don't get the opportunity to necessarily tell their story in length uh, to a captive audience. And that's what, when we started uh, even just talking about this, we wanted to give people a stage and, and have them come on and tell their story in their, in their words. And, and I'm happy and grateful that we've been able to do that uh, because of the learning that we've both been able to take advantage of it really there's a lot of smart people out there and and going back to the gym situation and i'm gonna i'm gonna mix two different things kevin was talking and others have and you do uh from time to time talk about you know failures being a part of success and we've all anybody that's gone to the gym for a reasonable amount of time takes a week off or you know you're just not feeling it you just run out of energy a little bit you you know a few days of not going and you start thinking, oh, well, you know, you start making excuses. And it's okay if you're going to give yourself a little bit of a break, but don't get down on yourself so much that, oh, I can never get back to it. Or, you know, gosh, I'm one of those people that, you know, just go back one day and just get back into it light and, and recognize the fact that failure is part of success. And it's the same thing with the gym. You know, I'm, I'm not benching right now what I was over the summer because I haven't been working out as hard because I've been working five pounds. So you got me (laughs) to five and but I mean, between working full time, doing this Christmas shopping party, you know, but I'm not going to beat myself up. I know that come January, mid January, uh, I'll get back into it strong going in summertime and, you know, you accept that failure, learn from it. Don't beat yourself up, but understand it's part of success as long as you move past it. And as long as like with Brody, as long as you, I'm sure there's days where he's woken up, especially early on and thought, 
shit, man, I don't, I don't want to go to therapy. I right. don't want, you know, I, I'll lay here. And, but he got past it and kept getting past it. And as long as we're able to do that, you, me, the audience, Brody's led the way on that. So, you know, let's just 2020 get into the gym or yeah. change your diet or whatever. And it's not a Rocky montage where you're going to be in shape like that. No, you, you know, that's especially not if you're our age. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But little, little bits of success add up. And just like here, the shows once a week, but man, we got a body of work now. Our uh, past guest, Evan Shai says be 1% better every day and just keep adding that together. You know, if you can do that and sometimes you're going to take a couple steps back. Yeah. Listen, uh, I've said this in the show before. I don't think you could take Bill Gates or you could take Michael Jordan. You could take maybe the best of the best in whatever they're mm-hmm. doing. They don't have never-ending motivation. Mm-hmm. Nobody does. Theirs no. runs out. They might have a little bit more of it. I always say it's like a power bar in a video game if you ever played it. As it's, the motivation goes down, you slow down. You don't want to go. You don't want to do anything. Fall back on a system or something of consistency. Fall back on something. And if you stop, go back to it. Mm-hmm. Have a program that you go back to because not everybody has – Ever, never ending motivation. So don't feel bad about that. I right. go through ups and downs in motivation and business and fitness. You do it. Everybody else does it. Yep. The best of the best does it. LeBron, I'm sure, has it. Bill yep. Gates has it. Everybody's got it. Um, but yeah, I hope everybody goes into 2020 with a little bit of a po- more positive mindset. I hope you and I have done something to help motivate somebody, somebody in the last year. I've gotten a lot of texts, and I'm sure you have, and messages that the show has impacted people in a positive way. Yeah. And that's the best part of what we do is hearing that. So if you guys share us, love us, comment, give us feedback, tell us you want something different. If you got yeah. a guest you want on, send us their way. We will get them on. We'll, we'll hopefully help tell their story as best we can. But thank you guys again for um, giving us your attention in 2019. Um, following us, sharing us, liking us, commenting on our stuff. You know, for those of you who might be listening or watching now um, for the first couple of times, comment, ask mm-hmm. our, it's, this is an open forum. We want you to ask our guest questions. We really do. It's yep. okay to do that. And maybe we'll just, you know, put something up in 2020. I'm thinking out loud here, like ask us, ask our guest questions. Yeah. You know, we're happy for, we're happy to be the middle people to get your questions asked from very good entrepreneurs. And yeah. uh, again, thank you guys. I cannot wait for 2020. We got a lot of fun stuff for you guys. And uh, happy holidays. Have a great new year. And we'll see you back uh, first Wednesday of the year in uh, 2020. 2020. It's crazy. Happy New Year. Well, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, everybody. See you guys. In three, two, one.